welcome to week two in our series on the heart journey. Last week, we talked specifically about why the heart matters. Why does the heart matter? Because life is lived from the heart and therefore all kingdom matters are matters of the heart. And we also talked about the fact that we as the church are the bride of Christ and that relationship between bride and groom is the most intimate of connections. It's the most intimate of heart connections. So that was why does the heart matter? Because we live life from the heart and we are called into an experiential relationship with the Father, not just a cognitive relationship. And as I said last week, we as the church have specialized in that cognitive relationship, but we want to get really, really good at that connection from the heart. And that, that is an experiential relationship with God. So we want to move into week two and talk specifically about the heart journey. Um, over the course of the years, you may well have heard Deb and I talk about the heart journey a whole lot. And I want to unpack a little bit today about what does that actually mean? What is the heart journey? I want to talk about four pillars of the heart journey and a foundation that sits underneath all of that. So what is the heart journey? Pillar number one. Pillar number one I want to suggest is the commitment to my own personal transformation. And when we talk about personal transformation, we're talking about ongoing personal transformation. This is not just a one-time thing. This is an ongoing day after day, week after week, year after year journey where I am committed to my own transformation. Now, to be really clear, this is not about just the absence of problems, getting my life to a point where I don't have problems. Though, honestly, if you've got to that point, if you can come and lay hands on me, I'd be really appreciative. But it's not just about getting our life to a point where we've got absent or, or at least minimal problems. We're talking about our continued commitment to our growth and development until Christ is fully formed and in us and manifested through us. Now, I don't know if any of us can really honestly say, hand on heart, that Christ is fully matured and fully formed in us and that we are fully manifesting the presence and the power of Christ through our life. I don't think any of us could claim that. And so until we can claim that, then we are called, as Paul said to the Philippian church, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what does that mean, to work out your salvation? This is from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. To work it out, that word in the Greek, the word katagazomai, great long Greek word there. It, the focus of that word is on a change of state. And the emphasis isn't so much on the change as is on the new state. So when he says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, the focus is on becoming that new state that you have been called to and created in, in Christ. And seeing that brand new state, that the new man, as Paul constantly talks about, fully formed, fully manifested, fully demonstrated in you. Interestingly, the very next verse in Philippians 2.13, Paul says, and then for it is God who works in you, to both will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, it's a different word for the word work, but the, the two words are largely synonymous. Um, the word in verse 13 where it says, for it is God who works in you is the word energio, where we would get our word energize from. So as we focus ourselves on changing our state, and this is not a worksy thing, this is a consistently having my heart opened to the transforming power of Jesus. 
My, uh, and my responsibility in this is to keep my heart open to the transforming power of Jesus and letting his power touch every place in my heart the wounded places, the strong places, the weak places, every place, continually letting my heart be open to his presence and power, touching those parts of my heart. And then his part of the journey is that he is going to place his power, his energy in you for you to walk out your life according to his will and his purpose. That is the divine partnership of the heart journey. My heart is cracked open and open to his presence and power touching me continually. And then his part is he pours his power upon me and energizes that whole journey with his power. So pillar number one is that commitment to my ongoing transformation. In all honesty, I have to say, I see more of this, you know, as I travel both in the business world and in the church world, I often see more of this present in the business world as people are keen to learn, to grow and to develop and are are really hungry for that. And sometimes in the church, I think we can settle for, well, I've got Jesus, I have everything I need, I'm fine. But that is not the heart journey. Yes, we are fine. Our salvation is secure. You know, nothing can snatch you out of his hand. No question about that. But our life is meant to be one of ongoing and increasing ways, glory to glory, manifesting the presence and power of Christ and him being fully formed in us until we are fully and completely mature. So that's pillar number one is the commitment to my own ongoing transformation. Pillar number two is about heart connection and depth in relationships. And I'm not just talking relationship with God here, I'm talking relationship with other people. Uh, John was very, very clear in the way that he was, he says, yeah, anyone who can claims to love God, but hates his brother is in darkness, is in deception. In other words, if you think you've got something going on this way with God, but it's not showing up this way, you're kidding yourself. Relationship with the father, intimacy with the father shows up in my ability to deeply connect with other human beings. So pillar number two is this heart connection and depth in relationships. Now, I want to suggest that all of us want this more than anything else. All of us want to be deeply connected to other human beings. All of us want to be fully known and to be fully loved. Even secular psychologists know this. We want to be fully known and fully loved. Yet, it's the thing that we are most terrified of. Because we feel if someone really knew me, if someone really knew me well and knew me deeply and intimately, they probably wouldn't love me and they would probably reject me. That belief system is an outworking of shame. And shame is the enemy of everything that is good in your walk with God, in your relationships in life, and in the fulfilling of your destiny. Shame is the enemy of all of those things. But here's the thing. Unconditional love smashes and breaks shame. Now, we get unconditional love from the Father, but as we see all throughout the book of John, we're not just meant to get it from the Father. We're meant to get it from each other. We are created as relational beings. We are hardwired. And again, even secular psychology says we are hardwired to connect with our fellow human beings. You know, some people will say, well, all I need is God. All I need is Him. And while that's, you know, laudable in, in some ways, it's actually a deception in a number of ways because the one who created you actually created you with a hard wiring to connect and a need to belong. And it is actually okay that we have that need because it's put there by him. 
So this looks like authenticity and vulnerability in relationships. This looks like I can show you my heart. In fact, the word intimacy is into me, I let you see. Into me, I let you see. That is intimacy. It's about authenticity. It is about vulnerability in relationships. Now, this is not boundaryless though. You think as soon as we start talking about that, I have to hang out all my dirty laundry with absolutely everyone. No, not so. Boundaries is an, also an important part of being a mature person. Boundaries says that I give people access to my heart at the level at which they can handle. So when, they, when someone treats the level of access to my heart that they have already, which may only be smaller, when they treat that well, I can give them more. And when they treat that well, I can give them more. And the people that we trust most in life have a lot of access to our heart and they treat our heart well. They respect it. They value it. So this is not a boundaryless thing. Okay? That, that would be um, devastating to our health in so many ways. Boundaries are important, but often I think we're more on the, on the danger of overdoing the boundaries and not letting people in. And the kingdom life is one where we belong, where we're deeply connected, where we have strong heart-connected relationships. So that's pillar number two, is heart connection and depth in relationships. Pillar number three, is an emotionally connected life. An emotionally connected life, which means I'm fully alive, not only just in spirit, but I'm fully alive in my soul, in my emotional realm as well. What does this mean? It means I can accurately name my emotions. I can accurately not only name my emotions, but I can let my emotions tell a story. I don't just live from my head. I'm not just telling you what I think all the time. I'm able to say, I'm feeling encouraged. I'm feeling enthused. I'm feeling inspired. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling deflated. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm feeling discouraged. And being able to tell the story of that emotion with, with accuracy and with some truth and obviously from the previous point a whole lot of vulnerability around it see when you shut down your heart to feeling the bad stuff you also shut it down to feeling the good stuff you can't selectively shut down your heart and this is an important one for us guys because typically growing up us guys are asked what we think and girls are asked what they feel now, us guys need to learn to get in touch with our hearts. And it's one thing I spend a lot of time when I'm with guys is helping them get in touch with that feeling side of them. This is not just a female thing. This is how God has hardwired you. If you look through scripture, you find God has a lot of emotions and we are created in his image. So an emotionally connected life is one where I'm actually in touch with how I'm feeling and I can communicate how I'm feeling with a degree of depth and with a degree of accuracy. So that's an emotionally connected life. We could spend days on that one alone. Fourth pillar is, the fourth pillar of the heart journey is my willingness to embrace spiritual mothers and fathers in my life. My willingness to embrace spiritual mothers and fathers. Now, what do I mean by these? I mean, these are people that at least in some areas are possibly a little further down the line and further down the road in the journey than us. And it doesn't have to be in every area. But these are people that are speaking into our life in a way that makes us grow up. Okay? People that speak into our life in a way that causes us to grow up. It pulls us out of immaturity into maturity. 
I want to suggest that this one is going to touch all of our authority wounds. If you have any form of authority wound in your life, whether that's from parental wounding, from parental dysfunction, um, through to teachers at school, bosses in the workplace, um, leaders in church, if you have any wounds that are unprocessed, that are undealt with and unhealed from authority people in your life, then this call to embrace spiritual mothers and fathers is going to poke at that wound and it's going to make you feel a little uncomfortable. But what that points to is a need for healing in that area. I'm not going to sit here and say, get over it. What I'm going to say is, do point one, open your heart to the transforming power of Jesus to touch those wounds and to bring healing because the only person that misses out on when you fail to embrace spiritual mothers and fathers is you. Paul said to the Corinthians, you have many instructors, but not many fathers. We have more instructors than we know what to do with these days. You can YouTube, you can um, you know, get onto any sort of subscription service, mailing list, and you can get more teaching of really, really quality stuff than we've ever known what to do with um, in the years prior to this. You can have many, many instructors, many teachers, but Paul said, you, what, you don't just need instructors. What you need is fathers and mothers. You need people that are willing to speak in your life who are intimately connected to you that are willing to speak to you in a way that causes you to grow up into the fullness of who you were created to be. And those words, mother and father, are a family paradigm. It's not an authority in the sense of hierarchical or bureaucracy. It's a family paradigm, which means the context of mothering and fathering is in context of unconditional love. In other words, a mother and a father is someone who is spiritually invested in you, who you know, has skin in the game in terms of your life because they've invested in you. And they're going to love you no matter what. They're going to love you as much on your worst day as they do on your best. So four pillars of the heart journey. The commitment to my ongoing, my own ongoing transformation. Heart connection and depth in relationships. Living an emotionally connected life and embracing spiritual mothers and fathers. They're the four pillars, but there's a foundation that sits underneath all of these four pillars. And I want to suggest that that foundation is an encounter, an experiential encounter with the Father's heart. You see, the, the love of the Father is the centerpiece of the gospel. It's not sin. It's not the cross. It's the love of the Father. John 3.16, the one that most of us would have learned in Sunday school from really early on. It starts with, for God so loved. And then it goes on that he gave. The, the centerpiece of the gospel is the love of the Father and an encounter with his love. Not just understanding the concept. We understand the concept. We know it up here, but a genuine encounter with his love is the thing that is the foundation of the heart journey because it transforms so much. I remember... I remember well the first time I really encountered genuinely and experientially the love of the Father. I was about 18 years of age. I'd grown up in church. I'd been through Sunday school. I'd been through all the different classes. Um, you know, for an 18-year-old, I think I knew the Bible pretty well. I understood the concepts. I understood salvation and the cross and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I had a whole lot of passion, but there was a lot more going on up here than there was down here. And I remember the day I was um, away on a beach mission and on the Sunday, 
we attended a church service and I attended a, you know, a spirit-filled church in the area and the power of God was really flowing that day and to cut a long story short, God was absolutely all over me. A random stranger came and picked me out um, and gave me a prophetic word that, was, that to this day remains utterly, utterly profound in my life and as she gave me that word, she just said, I could see the presence of God all over you and it's like my heart melted. I was a teary, blubbery mess. And the thing that I can remember most, even beyond the prophetic words, was that feeling of just knowing that I was deeply, deeply loved by my Father in heaven. And that feeling at that moment was more real to me than anything else that I was experiencing. And I remember people on our beach mission team kept on commenting on the light that was in my eyes from that moment onwards. Um, I couldn't see it because obviously I can't see out my own eyes, see my own eyes in a reflection, but um, people kept on commenting, there is a light in your eyes. And I know where it came from. I know it came from that encounter where I, for the first time, I knew it in my head, but I genuinely experienced being hugged, being loved on by my Father in heaven. And in all honesty, it absolutely undid me. I, I was a complete blubbery mess, um, but was absolutely changed and transformed by that experience. Many of us will have our own stories of that, and I'd encourage you in your life hubs to, to share some of those stories. But for some of us, we may not have had that experience. We may have had lots of stuff going on over here, but, but we may not have had that experiential connection where you know that the Father loves you, where you have experienced it for yourself in a way that is undeniable. And so one of the things we want to make sure that we're praying for each other is that we're just praying for those encounters for one another, that we would be immersed deeply in the love of the Father. So let me bring this to land uh, with a couple of activation questions. The first one is simply this, how are you going on those four pillars? How are you doing in terms of your commitment to your own personal transformation, your own ongoing personal transformation? What does that look like in your life? What are the habits that you've built into your life that show that I am committed to this? What are the things that you do? And for some of you, you might be able to share some of those things that others can learn from. And from others, you might go, actually, to be honest, I don't know if I really have that commitment. And here's an invitation right now, even as you're listening to this, to make that commitment and to spend some time with the Father and say, okay, I need to make that commitment for that ongoing transforming power to do its work in me. How are you doing in terms of heart connection and depth in relationships? You, know, you may have an amazing relationship connection with the Father and experience Him and hear His voice, but is it showing up here? Is it showing up in terms of my depth of connection with my fellow human beings? Do people find me easy to connect with? Do people find me easy to, to get close to and approach? Or do I tend to keep people at bay or at a distance? That is a, a really critical question to ask and a real target for the love and the transforming power of God. Are you living an emotionally connected life or is it all from up here? And are you embracing spiritual mothers and fathers in your life? And if so, who are they? Who are the people that speak into your world in such a way that doesn't let you get away with stuff, in such a way that causes you to, to grow up um, and become the fullness of the person that you are created to be? So how are you doing in those four things? And then last two questions. And we're talking about, again, an experiential relationship with God. And related to all of this, what do you need most from God right now? What do you need most from God right now? And this is something that you can ask your, um, your friends and brothers and sisters in your hubs to pray for you about. What do you need from God most right now? 
And the last question is, what do I need most from my spiritual family around me right now? And encourage you to share that with at least one or two people around you, because this is part of the practice of intimacy and vulnerability. There's a little short primer on the heart journey. This is really, really important stuff. And I kind of hope this teaching is one that you may come back to um, over the, the coming weeks and months and listen to a few times over because this is such a centerpiece of the kingdom life. That is the heart journey. Love being on the journey with you. Pray that this touches you deep. And then look forward to next week where we're going to talk about building heart culture. Until then, see you later. Thank <laughs> you.